Hey everybody, you're listening to Spartans Crazies episode 2 with Ryan and Tim. Uh, so we're going to talk about basketball for the whole episode, so there's really nothing in football to talk about. Uh, we're going to start out with talking about Oakland, so Tim, take it, take it from me. Alright, guys, um, so in between the last time you guys heard us talk, there was um, just the Oakland game. Um, and Ryan happened to be there. Um, pretty good seats. Why don't you uh, paint a picture inside Little Caesars Arena for us, like fandom, atmosphere, um, maybe people who haven't been there. It was it was pretty full. I mean, it, I don't think they sold out because there were definitely areas in the upper deck that weren't filled out. But uh, lots of – it was mostly Michigan State fans, obviously. Um I, it, I wasn't. It wasn't as cool. Like I went to the one two years ago when MSU and Michigan both played there, and they played against uh, Michigan. Played against Detroit, and MSU played against Oakland. By the way, Michigan's scared to play against Oakland. Just wanted to <laughs> point that out here. Uh, but uh, it was it was impressive. Like I, I sat courtside, so and Paul Davis was like two rows in front of me, which was pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was like it wasn't. Anything like super, like out of the ordinary. It was just like a regular neutral site game, but it was basically a home game for MSU. Yeah, that's what it felt like on the broadcast. Um, so I guess we could get into the game itself. Um, I happened to catch the Tomizo post game conf- press conference, and I mean, who else better to hear from than the head coach regarding his analysis of the game? Um, and uh, I think a really easy kind of headline in this context is he noted two positives and two negatives, and they're pretty straightforward. Uh, he said the two positives were they defended well, which, you know, they kept Oakland under 50 points. And it could have been under 45 if not for a couple of late, you know, garbage time buckets, which happens in, you know, games that are blowouts. But um, – and defended well, and they they ran. What he said, um, you could speculate on, you know, how well they did that or how often they did that. He didn't really get into the details, but it's definitely been a point of emphasis. And he noted that it was a point of emphasis uh, today in the press conference. That was just the weekly press conference. Um, he said that they got outscored. Um, it was something like 17 fast break points for Duke to four for them. It was in that ballpark. And since then, it had been a point of emphasis. You know, this is a benchmark of the Michigan State basketball, you know, style of offense. They push the ball. And um, we can tie that in later. Them pushing the ball has a couple of benefits and a couple of drawbacks in this exact case. Um, and then the two negatives he mentioned were – he um, turned it. Uh, they turned it over a lot, which was let's see, I think it was 15, 17. <laughs> 17 is a lot, but keep in mind they won by twenty three. Um, you know they had a lot of turnovers, and that ties back into some of the things we'll get there. Um, and they missed shots. I think anybody that watched the game, like Cassius, one for five, or sorry. One for nine from three, which 
I mean, you're not going to see Cassius Winston shoot that poorly in most games. I don't know if – you know, I've watched every game he's ever played for State. I can't recall one where he went a percentage nearly as bad as one for nine. He's an excellent shooter. Um, Gabe Brown, 0 oh, for 5. I mean, you were there. If they could hit a, one of those here and there, like the game just is kind of off the rails immediately. Um, and it sort of was. What do you think? Like, were the fans getting frustrated? It was definitely frustrating watching them get a lot of open threes and just missing a ton of them. I mean, I Kyle Lawrence had a – I think he had a couple that – he had a couple open three-pointers. Point, and he hit one of them. I remember he hit one. And then he missed, he missed the other three. Um, but, yeah, they, they had a lot of open shots. It just seems like it's been a common theme for the last – since the season started almost. They're just missing a lot of open shots. And I think later on they're going to start hitting them. But it is frustrating to watch as a fan. Um, you know, he mentioned this, and it's this is no secret to anybody. It's probably been mentioned a bunch of times this season. There's a new three-point line. Um, in the postgame – I can't remember exactly which one. Uh, I, he mentioned something about he thinks that because the line is extended, they're shooting threes deeper so that they're not touching their foot on the line, which was kind of an issue early in the season. Um, and he, Tom Izzo says he thinks their percentage is being hurt by the extra deep three. Not only is it further than last season, now they're shooting it further behind that line to be safe. And so they taped a red line within – I want to say six inches of the the three-point line. And in practice, they don't count threes unless your foot is on that line. So he's emphasizing them being close to the three-point line, you know, Um, which is interesting. But, you know, I I suppose over so many trials, you're going to make more probably if you're closer a little bit. That seems pretty fair logic. Um, I mean, percentage on three-points – Seven for 33 in this game. Um, Some people have noted that MSU shot very poorly at Little Caesars Arena when they played Syracuse. They shot poorly against Bucknell the game right before that. Um, Maybe it's something about these rims. But also, you know, this has been a reoccurring thing here. 21% on the game for three points. I don't think that's going to be common. You're not going to see, as uh, Tom Izzo puts it, one and 14 for my two best shooters. You're not going to see that often between Gabe and Cassius. I just, I would say that it would happen less often than not. Um, so, I, I mean, it's pretty simple analysis. This is kind of a blowout, right? Um, at what point in the game do you recall where you knew, like, the lead was only going to stretch. It was like 10 minutes in. Yeah, you knew this game was over pretty much right away. I, I mean, Oakland, this is one of Oakland's – this is a, this is not a good Oakland team. Compared to what they usually have, it's just not that good. I mean, they I, – I really like Hale, Hill Mays. He's a good player. But other than that, they, they lost so many guys from trans, the transfers from last year that it's just – it's, they they were supposed to have a really good team this year, but I think they lost three of their best players to transfer. Uh, I remember Cumberland went to Cincinnati. I don't I can't remember who the other two guys were, but I remember hearing before the game from Oakland fans like, "Yeah, this is this team lost like three main guys to transfer before the season." Yeah, 
Cumberland would have been two seasons ago, but um, unless we're talking not Jerome he, Cumberland. He, 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 uh, yeah, but at any rate, they've had attrition. They're not like picked to be some, you know, as we noted, wasn't like a game that we thought should give MSU so much trouble if they showed up and played a certain level of MSU basketball. Um, if we, you know, consider how poor their three-point shooting is, um, uh, this could have even been uglier. And I think that's one of the silver linings here, Ryan, is that it was a blowout, and they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Um, imagine if MSU is hitting some open threes. Like a 40-point game, probably. And, you know, it's Oakland, but they – the difference was on the the, the boards. They out-rebounded um, Oakland – what is it? By a lot. It's <laughs> 23? Yep. 23, 23 rebounds. rebounds. Um, and that's both sides of the floor. Um, that Those translate to possessions. You get 23 more tries than the other team. I mean, it doesn't even matter, you know. You're getting a lot more chances to score and thus win while negating the chances the other team has. And that's why it's a benchmark of MSU – um, when they out-rebound re- a team like this, they're going to win the game. And that's what happened. I thought that Gabe Brown, once again, six defensive rebounds. The guy's just really long, and um, he's flying in there, getting possessions for the team. Uh, Tillman has been pretty solid. You know, after Maui, where it was rock bottom for him, his hands look like rocks. Uh He's been pretty solid. I mean, he couldn't shoot free throws, but he was dominant in there. What's crazy to me is that the leading scorer had only 10 points. They still managed to score 72. I know. And, I mean, how easily could have, you know, the whole starting five all had 10 points. You know, they're all missing open shots. Tillman's one free throw away from a double-double. And quietly – Aaron Henry's the best three-point shooter on the team by the numbers. Um, and that's not, like, my analysis. That's just a mathematical fact. Yeah, it's crazy to me that uh, – I mean, I saw a couple people discussing this on Twitter uh, today. Uh, Sayulja uh, was talking about uh, how Aaron Henry can – he if he if he penetrates the hoop he brings somebody in and you find an open man almost every single time. Yeah, and that was that was a really good point because if you can get Gabe Brown open shots like that, he's usually going to hit those more often than not. And he didn't shoot well in this game, but it, it's from three. Yeah, he made all of his right. two point attempts, which might have all been dunks, but <laughs> he made them this time. Yeah, because against Rutgers he missed a couple, even though he was fouled. Um, so. You know, this game, we were saying last time we wanted to see some progression. I think that they looked very solid on one end of the floor, right? Um, offense still not as clean as you'd like. And um, kind of coming back to an earlier point, they're putting an emphasis on running. Well, you saw against Rutgers and Oakland, the two games post-Duke, they um, 
Cassius is kind of throwing the ball away. He's not, you know, dropping it into a bucket like maybe he might need. And that's sometimes on him, on those the ones he heaves down court. But some of these, um, they got to hit open shots, you know. He's finding them, and then they just don't convert. And then a couple – I mean, you were there. They were like 0 for 4 on lob attempts until like the last – minute and a half or two minutes of the game. Um, these guys are kind of like there's a you know contingency on the throw, but at some point like they gotta also catch it and finish for him. Um, and Izzo lamented that in his conference today and I think post game of Oakland that it's somewhat cash and then somewhat they're they gotta help him out by finishing, right? Um you might have had a better view. Like some of these, some of those lob attempts, was it they just totally messed it? It, just, it was just complete miscommunication, usually. And that's a team that isn't, that's not a sign of great chemistry, but, you know, they're kind of finding their way. This, what this is supposed to look like, you know, if you're not sharp in November, December. Um, I think another thing we can note. In the post in the press conference today, Izzo said they've had a couple of days of good practice in a row. So that's consecutive. And um, it's a good sign, if anything. Uh, do you have any more comments on, on this game? Anything else that you remember? Hey, Steven Izzo had three rebounds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, looked pretty strong. <laughs> Connor George. He hit a three. Hey. He's not a bad rebounder. He played, he, he played 10 minutes. They, they were playing him a well, lot. Because of Rocket Watts being out, yep. they were playing him out of what they would call a need instead of yeah. garbage minutes. Um, so that's kind of all we've got for Oakland, I think, unless you have. That pretty much sums up what I, my thoughts on that game. Okay, so. Um, so we can move, you know. We're going to start doing a segment where we pick all of the Big Ten games, that being specifically games between two Big Ten teams, um, and you know maybe go over them briefly. Uh, in this case, before next time we will record, there's just one, and it happens to be Michigan State Northwestern. So I guess we can pick that. I've already looked. There is no – there's no line. Um, so I guess we can't really, you know, I guess we could pick the money line, but that's uh, – I think we're probably both going to pick Michigan State. Michigan State on that one. Um, and we'll probably just go through that when we preview that here shortly. So um, I found a cool little stat for you, Ryan. Um, something, you know, seeing on Twitter, the way fans react like crazy. And sometimes I don't know if it's genuine, but I think some of it is, um, overreactions. It's like everyone always forgets that teams will look terrible in November and December. And I'm not talking about Michigan state. I'm just talking about college basketball. And then they'll have like this total transformation and then end up in the elite eight or something, you know, 
It happens literally every season. Uh, and it's not like across the board, of course. It's not like if you're playing bad, you're going to play good. But it happens all the time. And so often, only a couple of the teams that are so dominant in November, December, really stay that way throughout the whole season. Um, and those turn out to be contenders most of the time. Uh, in this case, I had a little, I always wondered a little bit about Ohio State. They'd played a lot of home games. They had looked good, but I thought that North Carolina was overrated, so them beating up on them was on the road, sure, but not unanimous number one team in the country sort of stuff. So I wasn't actually that surprised when they lost to Minnesota. Looks like Big Ten road games are going to be a problem. We'll see. Last season, every single Elite Eight team that's that made the Elite Eight was top 15 in Ken Palm at the start of the new year, as in January 1st. So what's that say? I mean, that's not every season, but what do you think that says? I, I do think that preseason rankings – I mean, obviously, Kempom is not the same thing, but I think that they do have that. You see a lot of teams that wind up making deep runs in March. They're ranked highly to start the season. Uh, I mean, you're going to have your upsets here and there, but like Michigan State and Virginia. I mean, they weren't. Were, MSU wasn't like a bona fide top five team coming into that into that year, but they were a top fifteen team. I I think that it does show that rankings do have some what of a bear uh, of a good bearing of how what teams are going to make a run in March. Because, I mean, you see teams like Arizona State last year who weren't ranked in the beginning of the year, but they had a great November and December. And then next thing you know, like they were – I think they were a top five team for part of last year. The next thing you know, they're nothing. They're, they're nothing. They, they're, they, I think they were in the first four last year. So I, I, I take some of these results from November and December very lightly. Like they, I don't think – I mean, they matter, but they don't matter to the extent where it's going to play a big role. In. For sure. Um, it's – to me, I think it speaks to Ken Palm is probably onto something. Um, and, but also, if you think a little deeper on these things, some of those teams had taken losses. One of them was Purdue, okay? They were in the Elite Eight. You could have looked at them and said, like, why are they ranked so high in Ken Palm? Well, I know you might not agree with this, but apparently Matt Painter teams rate highly in Ken Palm. And so all year everyone kind of questioned what's going on. Lo and behold, they make a run, and we're one bucket away from the Final Four, if we're being completely honest. Um, seemed improbable. Matt Painter's in the Elite Eight. Cal Perry's in the lead eight. Izzo's in the lead eight. Um, Beard's in the lead eight. Tony Bennett's in the lead eight. I think that you're seeing that good coaches are what's kind of rising to the top. Um, seasoned coaches that have talent. And Ken Palm and other rating systems, even the AP, because those people are huge on coaches. Um they sort of consider these things, and there's a reason you were seeing, you know, beeline coach team making runs. It, 
talent. Memphis or not Memphis, um, Missouri had talent. What they did, they always lost. Yeah. So these things, you know, Michigan State's three losses. They're number five on Ken Palm. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> so point is, is you know, I think all their goals are in front of them, especially if they win here on Wednesday. They're number one in the Big Ten shortly into this season. But we have breaking news, Ryan. Jordan Bohannon out for the year for Iowa. Just came across my phone. People were talking about the possibility of them shutting him down. I don't know. I haven't watched Iowa much. I think it was a good call. Was he not performing? I I, I heard he's that he not. Did. He's at like eighty. I think I've heard people saying he's at like eighty percent right now. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, they next year's team that they're supposed to have is apparently supposed to be pretty good. Um. Um. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, this was a possibility. Of course. He kind of surprisingly started playing when people were saying he was going to be out for a while. Um, I just want to point out that he signed the sh- his shoes when they beat Iowa State on Saturday or whatever day it was and left it at the court. <laughs> <laughs> that is an A1 troll job. Yeah. <laughs> I think he went 3-1 and one or something like that against Iowa State. So not a bad move. Um, that's a – one point for me in Jordan Bohannon's book. Um, so we can move past that. Uh, that was just something I wanted to talk about, you know, because everyone has these overreactions. Chances are that Michigan State's going to be a good team. Chances are Duke's going to be a good team. Chances are Louisville's going to be a good team. Chances are Ohio State's going to be a good team. However, you know, things could drastically change um, pretty quickly. And you're just going to have to find out. As far as I'm concerned, MSU is undefeated because the real league just began. Um, so we're going to go into, uh, I guess, Northwestern. Um, or did you want to do Malik Hall before we do that? Northwestern first. Okay. Northwestern game. Well, you've been to a game there? I have, I've been to a football game there. I've not been to a basketball. Okay, game. but I but it's I pretty much any game that MSU plays in Northwestern, it's a 50-50 crowd. Yes, that's a lot of people have made that no. Um, Northwestern two seasons ago made the tournament, or was it three? It was Miles Bridges freshman year. So three three years ago. ago. Okay, um, they were kind of in their golden age of, of basketball. And then it kind of has swiftly gone downhill. Um, and their best player, I would say, Pardon, he um, graduated, I believe. And so they're kind of a non-tournament team left without their best pieces. And, you know, <clears throat> they're barely above 500. Um, their wins have come against – well, I guess they did beat Providence. That was a good early season win. And Boston College. Um, not bad. But I think the big thing here, because if they played on a neutral court, you'd probably take MSU every time. This is a road game. 
Um, as you can say, it's shown that they can do it on the road. Last year's team was really good on the road, and they've got their leader back, albeit in a different sort of mindset right now. But um, I thought that they showed their fight. You know, that any time last year that they were behind or something, they would make a run and either win or barely lose, and it was more often than not winning. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that they showed that they have that this season still. Nobody's going to blow them out. Even again, okay, a Duke game. But they made a tiny little run. It was just, I don't know. There was a lot going on there. Um, and if you haven't read, um, is it? Who's, Sean Windsor, I think. Sean Windsor's piece on Cassius. I would recommend it's Detroit Free Press. Right? It was, yeah, it's Free Press. Um, it really kind of has a deeper look at the mindset and the psychology of the team right now, it's more specifically Cassius. Um, it's a good read. <clears throat> so, it the point I'm making is that I think that this team are the champions for a reason. They could be the first team to win a Big Ten road game, which is crazy to say. I mean, can you even remember a year where there only remains one undefeated Big think, Ten team? I two games do in? not think I've ever seen this. It's wild. And um, now, of course, people say it's Northwestern, possibly the worst team in the Big Ten. It's definitely possible. Um, they should not be daunted by this in any way. And came on Spartan Sports Network today. If you remember the last time they played at Northwestern was one of my favorite MSU basketball games of all time. Down 27 at one point. Incredible comeback. You guys probably remember. Um, I hope that we don't have to go through that. But um, I think this team's mentally tough enough and even they've shown if they're shooting poorly, they could probably just grind out a win with defense and rebounding if they bring that. It's been weird, though. Um, I don't know what's going on. And if we fall victim to it, I guess it'll be one of those seasons. I don't know. What do you think? Northwestern has actually recruited decently like the last few years. They got a couple guys that uh, – The lacrosse player. Yeah, they, yep, they got – and. Yeah, yeah, they get Rodfield. I forgot they have a grad transfer lacrosse player on their team. They're like Michael Jordan of lacrosse. <laughs> um, is playing basketball for Northwestern. If you guys didn't know that, uh, yeah, they they've brought in a couple of good recruiting classes, but they got killed by injuries last year. I think it was the, it was either last year or the year before that they they got destroyed by injuries. And I think it even opened up like getting receiving votes in the top, in the top twenty five. But it had to be the season before. But I think it was the season before. Um, I can't really recall. They're Northwestern not at the top of my radar. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the, Collins is like he he started out great, but those last few years have been real rough for them. Yeah, uh, um, it's hard. I mean, it all starts with recruiting, right? So, and then if you have injuries, that's just it's unlucky. Um, so, I mean, we have our thoughts about this game. I think just the mental toughness of MSU 
this is where they show it. And, you know, they might be 2-0 against Northwestern and Rutgers, but, hey, they'll take it. Better than having a loss like every other team in the Big Ten. Better than literally every other team in the Big Ten. So they'll take it. Um, We had a specific request to talk about Malik Hall, and I really do – you know, love his game. And I have been in the stance that he's going to be the starter eventually. I think we kind of agree in that point. Yep. But things have become um, – you know, it's it's hard to say. It They don't play any one player more than the others to, like, really see which way they're leaning at this point. You know, it sort of looked like Thomas Kith here. And then that switch because Bingham's starting. But Bingham doesn't even play the most minutes. Um, <laughs> it's like a total revolving door. And Izzo said it's still up for grabs. Um, Malik Hall, he hasn't really shot much since. He finishes well. I think if he got more minutes, we could see. Um, what, what do you think about him? I think that he – that this revolving door isn't going to last super long. I think he'll take the I think he'll take the spot. But he's since that Seton Hall game, he hasn't like you said, he hasn't shot a lot. But I think that he's a guy who can penetrate and get to the rack, and they need that. Uh, I mean, you've got Aaron Henry who can do it, but they, it would be nice to have another guy that's able to put the ball on the floor and get to the get to the rim more. Yeah, I just think he's strong. He rebounds and he can shoot. Um, but he hasn't really been shooting. Maybe that's because he doesn't shoot well in practice. It's hard to say. Um, well, that's all we got. Until next time. We were just kidding. We forgot to talk about the Eastern Michigan game, so here's Tim to start talking about it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we left off of Malik Hall. Um, it's really a tough – you know, even the coaches don't know the answer – I think that if he gets a little more time, a little more consistency, he might sort of start to um, distance himself. But then again, you know, both his competitors, Bingham and Kithier, they're starting to trend upwards too. And it'll be almost like a good problem to have um, that they have three dudes who are trending upward and they can't figure out who needs to play. But I think that they will. And so sort of transitioning that into Eastern Michigan, I'm, I mean, what do you think? Do you think Bingham is going to start Northwestern and Eastern? I would say he definitely starts against Northwestern. And um, probably, unless something happens, um, starts against Eastern. What do you think? I think I think he'll start both games. I do. Uh He's been he like he started the Oakland game. I feel like he start he started half of the games this year, I believe. Um so you know, Eastern it might be a good team to have him play against. There's a seven footer. Uh but then the rest, you know, there's not a whole lot of size there. I guess they have you know, a six ten guy and a another 6'10 guy who doesn't play really mu- very much. But um, 
the seven footer, you know, this is something that, you know, and he's a senior. We'll see how, um, you know, Bingham matches up against him. Uh, the um, Northwestern game, I expect that it would just be Bingham because he has been starting and he hasn't done anything really wrong. Thomas looked one of possibly had his – he was the best of the three, I think, against – Oakland? It seemed to me like he was. I, I think he played the least minutes out of everybody. Yeah, he mysteriously didn't play. He had that cool like, volleyball spike thing. I don't know if you recall that dunk. Yep. Um, and so I, I suppose it's going to be Bingham starting, but that really is meaningless right now. That's just the guy who starts there. Um, the guy who ends there in the game might be different. The guy who plays the most during the game could be different from those two. Um, I, I think, you know, Eastern, it's supposed to be a blowout win, according to the Ken Palm, 22 points. Um, something that's of note, though, Eastern is 8-1. and one. You know, They've only lost one game. You can you got to take something away from that. Now, they've had a lot of close games, um, and three of their wins are against non-FCS or, you know, they might even be D2 schools. I don't know exactly how that works. Um, but they aren't, like, even in the D1 category. So, you know, there is a reason MSU is heavily favored. Um, one thing that we uh, really pointed out between us, though, is um, that they're very good at turning the ball over. They're second in Ken Palm in steal percentage, which is pretty good, 14.4. Um Steel percentage. Um, that's in the country. And then similarly, Eastern Michigan is third in the country. Uh, did I say turnover percentage for? You said, you said turnover percentage. Okay, well, they're similar. Steel percentage is 14.4. They're second in the country. Turnover percentage, they're third in the country, 26.9%. That's crazy. I mean, we're talking over a quarter of their opponent's possessions, they're turning them over. I mean, that's third and best in the country. That's kind of wild. Um, and MSU, they sort of struggle with that, you know. Um, so, you know, this is going to be sort of an interesting game, especially when I reveal to the listeners that Eastern Michigan is 341st in the country in turnover percentage on their own end of the court on their, with the ball in their hands. So they can get the ball pretty well, very well, but they're very bad at keeping it, which sounds sort of like a crazy basketball team, right? Um, what do you think? They are I, – I, I said this before the episode. They're kind of like uh, – 
that Illinois team two years ago that turned the ball over all the time and created a bunch of turnovers in that way. I, they, they don't run the same exact type of defense that Illinois runs, but it's pretty clear that they definitely have a lot of turnover issues, but they, they force a lot. So it should be a very, very – it'll be a sloppy game. I think MSU wins this game pretty easily, but it'll it their, their turnover numbers are going to be pretty bad. Um. Yeah, it's it sounds like this is gonna be sort of a yeah, not the prettiest game to watch on TV or in person. Um, it sounds like a game, a classic game where MSU has horrible turnover numbers. But we'll see. Um, Cause there's another interesting stat here. Offensive rebounding. How about you? Uh, Tell them what that says. Eastern has uh, is ranked 328th in offensive rebounding percentage at 21.2. So you get the feeling MSU is just going to eat up Eastern on the boards in this game. So, yeah, so we can compare. They are getting 20% of their offensive, you know, boards or they're, you know, getting those second chances 20% of the time. MSU, which would be their defensive boards, um, sorry, well, the offensive rebounding for MSU is pretty good, 36 in the country. Uh, defensive rebounding, they're 51st in the country at 24%. Um, you know, long and short of it is – MSU, classically good defensive uh, rebounding team, pretty good offensive rebounding team. Um, and this is going to be something that I think you could see a huge disparity. The turnovers might look ugly, but we just saw MSU turn the ball over 17 times. And since there was a 20 rebound difference, they blew the other team out. Um I think this is what we're going to get. I think it's going to look a lot like Oakland, probably. And if MSU is any sort of sharp, you know, they just don't have an issue with the turnovers in this game against Eastern, they're going to beat them by over 30 points. That's my prediction to you. They're projected to win by 22, so... I wouldn't be – I expect this game to be a blowout. I mean, Eastern, I I was looking at their schedule. They haven't played a single Power 5 team all year yet, I think. Uh, no, they have not played a single Power 5 team all year yet. Um, this will be their first. This will be their first one. And they have a game tomorrow night. Um, they might be looking at a second loss by then. Um, Northeastern, I know we all remember who that is. Uh <laughs> Um, so, you know, this will be a big step up in competition. They're coming to Breslin. I don't think many listeners probably are worried about the Eastern Michigan game, but if you approach it for what it is, is it's like a really, really good practice for Michigan State basketball. In the event of some sort of nightmare, they could lose, but I really doubt that, um, We've seen it this season, but I doubt it. Um, 
this is something you just want to see them get better at something they're struggling with. So we could say if they did have a good night in turnovers against this team, that would be – we could walk away from that game like check. Took something away from it. Exactly. Or, if, you know, they're at Breslin, their home court. If they shoot well, that's a plus. These are things that they're going to be working on and probably the other things that Izzo's been emphasizing, pushing the ball, it depends. If they play some gimmicky sort of defense, they might, you know, have a different look. Um, so that's, you know, coming up. And in between then, um, you know, that before our next recording, those will be the two games. Following that, next week, there's only one game and it's on Sunday. So it'll be sort of a uneventful week. Probably most we'll, – we'll talk about the bowl game that week too. Right. That We'll have some football coming on our radar. But, um, you know, I expect there to be two wins for Michigan State by the next time we talk. Hey, like I said, that, that stretch for, from Rutgers to – the Minnesota game, they've won every game. They've won two games so far. So, as I said, I, I feel like to feel good coming coming into the stretch run, you got to go seven and one. At least that's what I felt. This, you know, we've already touched on it, but starting out two and zero in the Big Ten, when other teams, higher rated teams, lost in games that they could have easily won on the road, um, easily as in they're you know superior to their imp- opponent um it would be a it would be a i think a big step for this team in confidence not you know considering that fact because they haven't had the start that they were hoping for right to all of a sudden their number one the big 10 back to business you know business as usual that would be i think revitalizing for their spirit and confidence is everything, especially when they're not shooting as well as, you know, we would hope. And I don't know if we've mentioned it. MSU is currently shooting uh, 31% on threes. Okay. That's just across the team. That's rated 220th in the country. Yeah, I think that number will go up. You, Yeah, you would imagine. Um a comparison when Michigan won its battle for Atlantis, they were shooting lights out. Um, 41%, I think, from three. That's really good. Since then, um, something along the lines of, I want to say 30%. Um, we're pulling it up right now. But we bring that up to say, you know, this shooting can make a significant difference. You could look like the best team in the country or average. The number since uh, from three has been 30%. Yep. Oh, and <laughs> at Battle for Atlantis, they were shooting 47%. You'd have to think that was going to come down. And with Taking out the Iowa game, they're shooting 37% and 25% from, th- from three. Because they went off in that Iowa game, and that kind of skewed the stats. I see, yeah. But, yeah, it's – say all of a sudden Michigan State just finds it, 
they, these are D1 basketball players, and they just they start finding the bucket, starts dropping. You're going to see them blow some teams out. Because that's one thing that they haven't really been able to do. And aside from Virginia Tech, which, you know, they could have used some shooting in that game, their losses are to Kentucky and Duke. This is a team that all of their goals and aspirations are pretty much ahead of them. I mean, they could achieve a one seed still. Um, and this is the time. This is when everything starts. Um, so, did you have anything else to add? I think that almost covers everything about that game. And like I said, like I said, that I, that Rutgers two Minnesota stretch. You've got one road game, and then they're, you got the neutral site game that they already won, and six home games. I feel like to feel good going into the stretch run there. I, I feel like seven and one would be the goal at least. I think the one game that wouldn't surprise me if they lost would be that Michigan game at home, but I still feel like they should win that game. Um, and before we let you go, we're going to be keeping an eye on this. Um, barometer for a national champion team is top 10 in both adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency on Kempom. Pretty much all the champions, aside from that UConn team that kind of came out of nowhere um, in the last decade, have been those top 10 categories. And Michigan State last year was basically top 10 in both. And they were pretty, you know, they were within arm's reach of a championship. Um, currently, Michigan State sits third in offensive and 21st in defensive. If anything, the offensive is going to probably drop a little. And if anything, the defense, I think, is going to start to go up once they get tighter rotation. And we might see them sort of come close to, you know, and this is by the numbers. You've seen them play bad basketball, but sometimes it's not as bad as we might think. You know, Oakland looked kind of ugly, right? They killed them, basically. Um, that's kind of a good sign, I would say. If your team looks ugly, but you're killing the other, you're destroying the opponent, that's, you could have worse problems. Um, so we're going to keep an eye on on that balance all season. Um, and again, MSU, number five in Ken Palm. Their record in the non-conference, not what we wanted, right? Undefeated in Big Ten play. They could go on to be the only undefeated team come Wednesday. Um, so I guess you have anything else to Pretty much covers everything. Until next Monday, um, where we can talk a little football. It'll be you know, Big Ten basketball season. So until next time, guys, go green. Go white.